Welcome, welcome, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the second episode of YC Founder Stories. I'm your host, Sharath. Today, I have a very exciting guest I've, I've been in touch with for the last three years. He's, a, he's kind of like a good friend and, and helped me in many ways when I was building my side project called Shoutout. Uh, without further ado, Neil Tanedar, welcome to the show. How are you feeling today? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. And for folks who don't know Neil, let me, let me give you guys like a brief intro of Neil. Neil is like a serial founder, in my opinion. He's, he founded like this company called Labdoor, who went to YC in 2015. He's now working on Utopic Ventures. He has like a bunch of other, you know, startups called Air to All, Avermean. And he also wrote this book called World's Biggest Problems. And one thing I particularly love about Neil is his authenticity and number two, his willingness to help other founders. His, if you go look at his profile, he's like all in talking about founders, how, sh- how should people build startups in the first place, and in a more authentic, real way. So today I'm very excited about learning about uh, Labdoor, the, the yep. startup that went to YC. And let's unpack uh, the nitty-gritty details of how YC helped you know, Neil and whatnot. But okay, let's do this usual 10 questions and we can you know we have this follow-up bonus content where we talk about like other things but neil thank you again for taking the time uh, let's yep. get started let's do it what's the story behind or what's the startup idea behind labdoor so labdoor is an independent alternative to the fda uh, and the story behind it mm. is that i ran a testing lab uh, for a few years in ann arbor michigan called avamine uh, and the testing that we did was product development, uh, product quality testing. And so if a product failed, uh, a pharmaceutical, a supplement, a cosmetic, you can imagine a pill has black dots in it or uh, a paint that's supposed to be white starts having yellow streaks. Uh, that's a kind of a major uh, issue in the product and the company. Uh, and so usually there's a, a really fast process where a lab has to go in and do the analysis to figure out why the product is bad. And mm-hmm. we did that for did many that different for customers many. in lots of different industries. And what we, what always bothered me is that there was no independent lab that did this testing for the public. There's no people's mm-hmm. lab that goes and tests vitamins and supplements uh, every day and actually figures out which mm-hmm. ones are good and which ones are bad. And so a few years in had the idea for Labdoor. Uh, and when I was actually in a startup competition for Avamine, got the chance to meet a few really interesting startup people. Scott Case, who was a co-founder of Priceline, helped me meet a lot of other people, including Mark Cuban, and got to actually talk to Mark for about 30 minutes and talk to him about the lab and how we do this services for businesses. And one of the things that he gave me kind of an insight was, is there a way to do this testing at scale for consumers? Right? He was asking for, is there a way to take the data that we're doing one-off and actually scale it? Uh, and is there value there? And so he kind of, he put that idea in my head and it, I was really trying to think through this plus the people's lab. And a few months later had the idea for Labdoor, found a few co-founders that I'd met during this process and we started building the company. And so in 2012, labdoor.com uh, was formed. We had uh, the first hundred products in about nine months where we kind of very briefly did purity and accuracy testing of all these products. So we had a few energy drinks, we had a few protein powders, uh, and we started building a set of products that have purity and accuracy testing. 
Uh, and over time, it built up into grades and rankings and reviews of all these products. Now there's uh, a whole marketplace where you can buy the products from many different sites uh, and now Labdoor certifications on products. So not just in the US, but in India and Brazil and all over the world, you'll actually find protein powders that have a Labdoor seal of approval on them. And that is really kind of the end goal of what Labdoor is, is anywhere where you're actually buying or shopping for these products, you can use Labdoor as a trusted sign of whether or not a product is safe and effective. Wow, that's so fascinating. Um, I have very less clue about what you did uh, or what you're doing right now with, uh, you know, Labdoor. Well, I, I think that's what I want to unpack, like learn more about, uh, you know, in depth in the bonus content piece. But uh, when did you get into YC? So we got into YC for the winter 2015 class. So January to March of 2015. And so we got in a couple months earlier in that November 2014. Awesome. And what are the key elements to focus on when applying to YC? I think YC has so many applicants, especially even now I'm hearing it's 20,000 plus applicants per batch for 250 spots. And so it's always important to be very concise with your writing, with your speaking, but it's even more so important in YC because that application might only be read for one or two or three minutes where someone is skimming it very quickly. And so you want to get to your point as quickly as possible. Same thing in a YC interview. It's only 10 minutes and it's often very rapid fire questions. And so what I recommend people is like, if you got to do one word answers, that's great. You know, five second answers is okay. You know, you don't want to be rambling for more than 30 seconds. That's awesome. Uh, if you can share your, share your YC interview experience in probably like, you know, one or two sentences, how is, how is that? YC is an incredible boost in the competitiveness and kind of pushing you to get to a higher level. It feels to me, I think as close to our version of being drafted in like the NBA or like a professional sports league, right? Is like, there are those 500 companies now that, that are in every year. Uh, back in my time, it was 200 companies a year, right? It's a very small mm. batch of people. Uh, and then it becomes that network where, you know, on and on, it becomes this like alumni network and becomes almost this like lifetime society that you're part of. Uh, and so that is the really exciting part is now it's been eight years later and we're still, you know, those YC reunions and alumni events and it's still very active and talking to, you know, recommending founders to apply every batch and trying to talk, especially to the scientific and biotech companies in every batch and trying to help them uh, as they're fundraising and as they're trying to scale their businesses. And so it's just an amazing process, an amazing system. And did you pivot your idea during your time at YC or even after? So the the core mission of the idea of Labdoor has always stayed very firm, right? It's, we want to make it easier for people to make smart, healthy decisions. Uh, and that and the way we do that is through uh, testing the products. And we're the only people who kind of routinely test these products, give all this data out for free. And so that mission and vision stayed very, very strict. The business model changed a lot over time. We tested subscriptions, like uh, content subscriptions. That was actually uh, Mark's original idea was that there could be a, a really valuable way to take the data and actually sell it to professionals, right? Nutritionists, doctors, even like like finance professionals might have an interest in which products are good and bad, right? There's all this, all these ways where from a B2B side, the data could be valuable. And so we 
really we took for the first year or two, we really looked into monetizing the content and data directly. And then over time and talking through YC, talking through uh, the market, we started getting deeper into this idea of the content should be free and that we should monetize in other ways through a marketplace and through certifications. It was actually Tim Ferriss very early on who tweeted a couple of times about Labdoor and it like really spiked our growth. But then when people asked about like whether he really liked Labdoor or not, he said something about it would be great. It's great, but it like the paywall is, is really difficult or something, something bad about the paywall. Uh, and so that was some, one of the things that really was in our heads. Uh, and so right around YC, we did the pivot into uh, adding the marketplace. And so the growth uh, like going into demo day was that the marketplace was really growing quickly. And that was what helped us raise our seed in series A a year later. That's awesome. Uh, I want to, I want to definitely touch on some of the things which you said in later, but uh, how did YC help you go from zero to one to N? I think the, it's in that, that like messy middle is something that YC I think is really good at is you, you have to have some, I think you have to have a really, some version of product market fit, even if it's like, there's kind of levels to product market fit, but that first, like, uh, first hundred thousand users or first million dollars a year in revenue is often is now something that's, it's valuable to come into YC actually there at like zero, you've already gone from zero to one. And now you, you use YC to go from one to N uh, because YC, I think is excellent at fundraising. It's excellent at kind of building your network and helping you publicize your company and yourself. And just so you are more likely to get meetings, right? If you like cold outreach someone, uh, like your cold DM or your cold email is much more likely to be answered if you're a YC founder. And those things, just those value can really radiate over time and compound over time. And so what I would like, what I really helped me was kind of that one to N. I still think, and YC tries to do this. They also accept people who are going zero to one. I still think that there is room now for an accelerator VC funds to go and focus entirely on the zero to one again and do more of that work. And I, I think the zero to one accelerator space is, is open again because YC has gone later stage now. Makes sense. Uh, share, uh, do things that don't scale story in your in startup journey at Labdoor. Oh, uh, a few. So early on with, once we started uh, publishing our, we did category by category. So our first big category is protein. And so we, wanted to publicize on social media. Reddit was a big one where people were already debating on like, what's the best protein powder? What's the best protein powder? And we, it was exciting because like we actually had a definitive answer. So like everyone else else is about user reviews or like I tried this or I took this for a few months and like it hurt my stomach or something. Right. But like ours is like, we actually took the 50 protein powders into a lab, tested the purity and accuracy of all of them, then like built an algorithm, ranked them by quality and value. And so th this is the truly best protein powders on the market. And there were some surprising things where some of the like top brands on the market were like B's, C's and D's and F's and like some very unknown brands were A's, A pluses. And so it, it was, but what immediately happened on Reddit was like, if, if we tried to post a link or someone else posted a link to Labdoor, the first few comments were like, this is a scam. That little company must've paid off lab or to do whatever you know and what we did that didn't scale was i would just sit there and answer every single reddit there's like like we're actually like 
if you want to know who we are, this is who we are. Like, hi, I'm Neil. I'm the CEO. Or like, this is how we test. This is what we do. If you want to know this, ask me more questions. Um, and just like it, every time it would inspire follow-up questions, people would question specific parts of the algorithm or specific parts of our business model or different things. And just like answer until they drop. It's like a West Wing concept. Uh, that idea of you just like do a press conference and just answer every single question until there's no more questions. I, we did the equivalent of that on Reddit. Um, and the same thing with like customer service email is like, I personally answered every single customer service email for the first few years, uh, just so that I could like get the data too of like you, when you hear every single complaint or every single, uh, counter or challenge to your product, uh, over the course of many years that builds up into a, a better understanding of your market. Oh, I love that. I love the analogy press conference. I'm going to steal it from you. Uh, mm -hmm. I think it's, it's so intact that you have to be present and, you know, kind of like help answer like some of the questions come from community. It's awesome. Uh, how did you get your first thousand users in? How, how much of YC played a role in getting that? So we went into YC later. So we were a two, two and a half year old company by the time we got into YC. So we had million plus people had used Labdoor by then. Uh, so the first thousand users was, I think Reddit was a core part of it. We were, we were doing blogging. So I would blog every week early on writing about the different problems with the industry. Like it, it was, and I think part of that was also, we were in the process of launching. So it's like three co-founders were like, my other two co-founders are the uh, lead, like development and design and marketing uh, respectively. And so, we would do a lot of work early on, like at the beginning and the end of product development is I'm very involved. Uh, and because I have to like do the testing and then I have to help mm. with the design of the product. But in the middle, I didn't have very much work to do. And so I would like really be pushing uh, at, on Reddit, on social media, on places that there already were uh, this kind of audience and people who were already debating or talking about this issue. And then the really first big spike that we got, which was when we got like tens of thousands of users, was we started emailing reporters and I got, we got into the New York Times. So like we actually, I was cold emailing reporters, my co-founder Rafael was as well. And we, with the data that we had, so we would have data on, you know, we tested a, uh, the top fish oils, top 30 fish oils on the market, and a third of them are rancid. Like the fish oil has gone rancid and you don't know because you don't open the yeah. pill, but like we've actually tested the products and like the fish oil has gone bad, even though it says this, the expiration dates next year. And we got that story mm. in the New York times and there was just this massive spike in traffic. Um, and so that's our, the New York times is probably our second one. Reddit was probably our first. And then the Tim Ferriss tweet was probably our third. Awesome. Yeah. All three is like a banger, uh, you know, outreach in my opinion. Uh, last question, uh, share three tips for founders who are trying to get into YC. Uh, I, I think just apply, uh, every time or as frequently as possible. I think people get really caught up on this idea and we've talked about this, about, um, trying to have like the perfect idea or like a perfect co-founder or any of these types of things. Um, I think YC is getting much more flexible on 
the co-founder thing, they're getting much more, they've always been flexible on the idea. Um, and they mm. will, they actually would motivate you to pivot it in, if you get into YC and you feel hesitant about your idea, they will push you to pivot. And like within mm. that 12 weeks, like you want to be pitching something new at demo day. And it's like one of the most exciting things that YC does is actually for some cohort of people are actually pivoting the whole business in the middle of YC. Uh, so I'd say that's one thing is just be like really flexible on the idea. Um, yeah, I would be very concise and very precise with the application and the interview. So just like, this is not about like, if you're optimizing for word count, optimize for the minimum word count, not maximum. Uh, right? Like this is the <laughs> difference between like college essays and YC essays. They're like the exact opposite in that way. Uh, so just be very precise with your answers. Um, and yeah, I think the third mm. thing is um, they try to think through what like is the most ambitious thing you could be doing. I think that's something that I I feel like a lot of founders come to me with the like the first idea they came up with. Uh, and I think what, what YC will mm. eventually force you to do is like, what's the most ambitious you could be? Maybe even just with this idea, like there's a, like you might've had an idea that was a $10 million idea and YC will push you to think about like, could this be a billion dollar idea? If so, try to do it. If not, they'll try to push mm. you to find another idea. Uh, and so I think you can like pre do some of that pre-work by actually trying to figure out ahead of time, what is the thing that you really want to do? What's the most ambitious thing that you could be doing? Mm. It's awesome. Yeah. Solid, solid. I think I didn't hear the last one. The first ones, the first two are very frequent, uh, advices like we get, but I think the third insight is very, very important in my opinion. How can you push yourself to the extreme and like, you know, build something, that you even like, you know, didn't imagine in the first place when you get into YC. I love that. Awesome. Let's let's kind of m move on from the first segment to the second segment, which is I, I love more of this is more of like conversational uh, where I pick your brain and, you know, we can go from here. Talk to me about uh, what was what, what are your observations of you went to YC in 2015 and it's like what, like eight years now. Yeah. Any observations in this eight years of the process of YC picking founders? Like you said, they were not keen on the ideas. They're keen on founders and people. How's, how's, how's your uh, observations are like? I think they're going more late stage, later stage now with a lot of their founders. I think just by the nature of the competitiveness, you do get the 500K checks are a lot. We had, when we started eight years ago, we were only the second batch that got 100k. Like before that, it was like 20k checks, right? And so we were in the 120. Wow. Like it just started switching, and now it's like three or four classes now at 500k. I think the program itself has never been better in the sense of the founders mm -hmm. are excellent. It's as competitive as ever. I just think it's almost more of like a, a finishing school or that like one to n uh, accelerator. It's like truly an accelerator than like an incubator mm. or like there's like different levels that the zero to one accelerator is different to me than a one to n accelerator and i think yc is really uh honed in a zone where they're kind of excellent at one to n i think there's the data still says that half the companies that they take have only an idea or kind of in that idea stage and going zero to one so i think they still right. believe in the concept of zero to one being a part of the accelerator but i would love to see an accelerator focused entirely on the zero to one phase. Mm. Yeah. And talk to me about it. Like what, what would you do if you were to like start again, say you're Paul Graham, uh, how mm -hmm. would you do it today? If you were to launch 
zero to one accelerator? What would what would something that's I wouldn't say it's missing from YC or any other, you know, mm-hmm. like take Hyper. They they also encourage early yeah. stage startups, uh, and they're like you know hustle fund. They're like so many early stage funds that you know encourage yeah. people to come up with some ideas and they kind of work together, collaborate and push them to the next level. But what would you do? What would Neil do if some something that mm-hmm. you launch and probably that can cover also what you're doing at Utopic Ventures. Yeah, so I wrote about this in a blog post titled Founder Accelerator. And I think that what you need to go from zero to one, it's not just, it's fast first checks, right? So it's $1,500,000, um, but it's like, and potentially it's at the idea stage or even before the idea. So these could be repeat founders who are like reloading for the next idea. Uh, and mm. then I would love to have like that community of people who are like all going zero to one at the same time great partners uh so kp is a friend of ours like i he's just mm-hmm. joined uh, as a partner like people like kp and i who just like love that early stage just like love the zero to one love helping founders at that stage that's mm-hmm. the type of work that i wanted i would love to do uh and so i'm, I'm trying to mm-hmm. figure out basically what are the different categories where that could be very helpful i think right now it's particularly underrated in science right so like the scientific mm-hmm. ceos sure. biotech what I call biotech 2.0. I have a, a blog post on biotech 2.0. I wrote a couple months ago and kind of in all of those spaces, I think there's, it's again, underrated kind of in the original YC way where YC mm-hmm. Paul Graham had the thesis about, you know, hackers can be great CEOs. And that wasn't yeah. a, a belief in the year 2000. And by the year, you know, 2010, 2020, we now totally believe mm-hmm. that. And you've got Zuckerberg and you've got yeah. all these great examples, but you also have all of the YC examples of hacker CEOs doing great. And so mm. I think there's an entirely similar train where you can help scientists be CEOs and prove that scientists can be great CEOs. Uh, and so I would love that. Like first check for scientist CEOs is something that I've been thinking about for many years and written about for many years. Uh, and yeah, that's the problem. That's what I, I think is one of the world's biggest problems. And that's why I try to write about, I write about the world's biggest problems so that I can actually think in my head what I want to work on next. And so mm. solving the problem of how do we get more scientists to be CEOs, start more companies and solve more of these problems. It's like a meta solution, right? It's like we help the scientists and then the scientists solve more right. problems. That's awesome. Uh, no, I, I absolutely admire what you're doing. I feel like uh, we need more people like you who who also cover that base. Like, you know, we don't need more people to invest in social like you know these futuristic tech which is also very mm-hmm. fascinating ar and vr and all that stuff uh, ai and all stuff i feel the other part is where humanity will sustain right like the biotech mm-hmm. uh, these products that that makes i think there are like tons of products around sleep you know and they're mm-hmm. helping us to sleep better ring and you know whatnot so yeah. i feel like I, I, Love to see you and like would love to support any way possible, like, you know, to get Utopic Ventures to the next level. A uh, couple of more questions around YC. Uh, you, you, one of, one of the things you shared in, even in, in my experience of uh, the call we had like three years ago, specifically about YC dinners. Why is it so mm. significant that uh, YC dinners are like, you know, very special? Talk to me about it. Yeah. 
So they so the whole idea is that every Tuesday there is a dinner that every founder is supposed uh, in the batch is supposed to attend. Uh, and so like we were in San Francisco and so we would drive down as like as co-founders and made and then there was kind of like group office hours and like you would like meet your like small group of founders before that. And so you kind of, it kind of made a whole afternoon evening out of it. And the it's mm. all off the record conversation. So it's like everyone eats dinner together. It's based on the original idea that Paul Graham actually like would when there was eight founders in 2005 in one batch. And that's like, mm. I think Alexis Ohanian and Sam Altman were in that batch, right? Yeah. Uh, he actually physically cooked them dinner and like, sort of like, and so it was part of cool. the like family aspect of the zero to one. Like we were really all in this together. And it was like still right. to that extent, it was like, you know, like now it's like buffet style and like everyone's eating together. <laughs> but we're like, we're all sitting on like picnic tables still. And there's still like every week there's a speaker. And it's like one of the the old founders, uh, you know, one of the successful founders of YC or sometimes like some like very famous founder mm. um, from the public. And they would just do an off the record one hour, like explaining their story. And I think that mm. that the real stories of like uh, someone got sued or like a co-founders were fighting. There's a lot of companies right. where, you know, now the story is that they have two founders or three founders, but like they started with one extra co-founder and you've never heard of them. Right. Or there's like a lot of stories of like a lawsuit or two or three that you've never heard of uh, or you've mm. like and those stories almost only come out in those YC dinners in those like the conversation after YC dinner where like founders are talking to other founders in real life, that's where you mm. get those stories. Um, and so you need that because I think otherwise founders feel like, oh, like I'm the only person that's dealing with this challenge when it's like really mm. like most of the challenges, startup challenges are very universal. And it's just a matter of um, like perseverance and like almost like hearing other people having solved it and having survived uh, gives you some strength. I love that. I think what they did was to bring bring everybody together to share that it's if you if it is difficult for you it is also it was it would also be difficult for someone someone else i think that relatability yeah. factor would would help a lot of founders right and you know i think being authentic yeah. and vulnerable in front of a group of people you encourage <laughs> other founders to be yeah it's okay to be vulnerable it's okay it's it's actually a strength in a way so i love that yeah. uh Let's, I think the follow-up question would be like a perfect way to segue to Labdoor's story. What are you, what are, what are something uh, or some of the situations that you felt really hard? Like, man, this is intense, like building Labdoor. Talk to me about the hardest experiences you had building from, I think, 2012 to like more than 10 years now. Talk to me about mm -hmm. like the, the lows of Labdoor and how did fell how did you feel and how did you overcome them yeah i can imagine a few i remember the the first time i really felt the struggle was because we'd raised our first 100k from rock health um we moved to san francisco we were all living in so the rock health office in the, was in chinatown in, in san francisco so the four co-founders all move and we we all found the cheapest place we could find in san francisco was, was really bad uh, it was like bathrooms <laughs> like on the hall and like like oh, oh, like yeah. a very like hostile like uh worse than a hostile like environment um and but it was like walking distance to the office and we were just like working nonstop right. and like and barely sleeping and just like going back to it the next day um but then like after 
like six months in San Francisco of doing that, like that hundred K ran out and we had to like raise our next round and we'd gone through demo mm. day. We'd started pitching people and we just like, we had commitments. Like we had like Mark Cuban was one of the first investors that we had talked to. We had, were negotiating back and forth by email, trying to get a deal done, like trying to get the contracts done. And so while all this was happening, we had like theoretically like hundreds of thousands of dollars in uh, commitments from our our investors coming forward, but we had zero money in the bank. Mm-hmm. And so I remember that on like week every like two weeks, we actually like we would get checks, like we would create checks, and I wouldn't cash mine. And so like for months to like make the runway go a little bit longer, like I would just leave, I would just keep my check because like wow. I would cash it later theoretically. And I just had a stack, and it was like a stack of rising checks that were sitting on my desk in 2013. Because I it, like I was like, as soon as we get this next round closed, I want to pay myself. Uh, mm. But we had that. That was a real tough period. That was probably the first one for sure. There oh was a, a bunch of others. Oh my god! And who pushed you? Like you, you must have had some support, right? And uh, mm-hmm. Who are who are I think of course family would be would be there. Uh, any 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 particular people that you want to give a shout out? Like oh my god, they mm-hmm. really helped me. Like you know, cross that cross that face. Yeah, I think that is interesting enough. So my dad and I have a very close relationship, uh, and so we started a business together. Like when he was struggling with his business, I helped him. Uh, he's now in politics. I helped him through all of his politics. Uh, mm. And so a lot of it is me helping my dad, actually. So I help him a lot. But I think that I get a lot of the perseverance or and like how that drive and this like you never give up and there's going to be ups and downs and that's normal. I like learned that from my dad mm. for sure, because he's has this like equanimity of like things can be very mm. good or very bad. And he's just very, very stoic about it. Uh, where it's like I'm like a very easily excitable person and so like I I like that and I enjoy I like feed off of that energy but I think I'm like trying to balance that with the like stoicism of my dad if like you don't know in like in a 10 any 10 year period like there will be very great things that you won't expect there'll be very bad things that you won't expect um and you just don't get too high or low with the ups and downs uh you just like keep going and Mm -hmm. And that's exciting. And then when you think on those like decade long horizons, that's that's when these things, these bumps start feeling not as bad. Right. I think uh, Tom Hanks, I guess, I don't know who said this or Robert De Niro. I don't know. He one of them said this too shall pass. Right. Like all the highs, mm-hmm. don't take it for granted. They'll like yeah. fade away. All the lows, it won't, you won't, you won't, you know, be there. You'll, you know, you'll rise. I feel that having that type of mentality, I know it's easy to say. This too shall pass, mm-hmm. but in the moments where we feel like very vulnerable, we we feel very desperate. I think that's where uh, implementing is really hard, right? So I'm I'm so glad yeah. that you know you're in a place where you are. So talk to me about like what's happening right now at Labdoor. I think you guys have some exciting news. I guess uh, do you want to share that or what's going on? Yeah, so I I can't share all the details yet, but we're in the very late stages of an acquisition. And so it's a a strategic acquirer. We've been working on this company for over 11 years. Uh, It's been just a really exciting 
uh, last like few years actually. So we had this long process where we we did you know we raised seven million dollars in seed and Series A mm. over the first five to six years of our business, and then we really hit a wall in our going from Series A to Series B, mm. and we were basically had our choice of you know like get get profitable or die essentially, and we got profitable, and then the last few years have mm. been like increasingly exciting as the business starts getting more cash flow has started to be more independent like truly independent and so we were able to do mm. like one community round a couple years ago but other than that have been completely self-funded and so yeah we got the, we've gotten a few offers uh independently of people who wanted to buy labdoor uh and now we had an opportunity where we can you know sell the majority of the company keep some equity for ourselves on the up and really kind of get zoom out and think about what's next I think that something that's really interesting about Labdoor is it's a very like platform driven company where mm -hmm. like there's kind of these very different like pro product or service driven companies where um, they scale very differently than platform driven companies. Right. And so like Labdoor is this one big platform where, you know, we do when we go from 10,000, you know, a thousand products tested to 10,000 to 100,000 products tested. Uh, it's the same platform. It's the same website. It's the same algorithms, really. Right. right? The, we test cosmetics the same way as we test supplements. We could be testing. We could even be testing pharmaceuticals. We could be testing food. Mm. Right. We could be testing anything. But it's all a platform. And so the biggest thing we can do is get more resources. Right. We can have like sure. be part of a bigger team, have more funding. Um, and so that's that's something that we had looked to do. Like we would have loved to raise a big Series B and Series C and like. Uh, grow it ourselves but i think the, the kind of the next best thing is a really strong partnership i love that and congrats massive massive congrats to you and the Thank whole you. team for we're kind of like you know doing 10 years is no joke i feel like you know you've spent if you've mm -hmm. spent 10 years on something that means it's so significant you know on yourself and on others too and massive congrats on that so let's talk about fundraising right i feel uh we are in a point where raising raising vc going after like these big checks it's not sexy anymore like previously like five mm -hmm. years ago if you raised like three million dollars five million dollars like, people go bonkers wow it's it's kind of like a signaling status signaling yeah right now i feel many people are opening up like yourself you you're one of them who predominantly say hey don't raise vc if it is not necessary and warren Schaefer, my good friend He's he's on the same page. Like, don't go to VC until unless it's super necessary or required. Talk to him about like your opinions on do founders need to raise VC? How is how is that you know changing uh, the the spectrum going from VC to indie or bootstrapping, owning yourself the whole thing and like taking taking it slow, right? Do you don't need add no yeah. no no pressure added. You can be your true mm -hmm. boss. Uh, for yourself and the rest yeah. of the folks you're hiring. Yeah, I think that the they we always talk about these like two types of companies, right? It's like these multi-billion-dollar companies probably should still take VC. It's like extremely rare to become a billion-dollar company with zero VC raised. A few com few people have done it, but mm -hmm. there's no like extra prize for becoming a billion dollars with no VC funding. It's like you don't get like a gold, extra gold star or something. Uh, you know, if you need the money, take the money. And so I definitely think the like multi-billion dollar companies should definitely take VC. And then there's these like single digit million dollar or less companies that could it probably should bootstrap all the way, right? Mm. I think there's this challenge of the middle, which is like what I call like the middle class for startups. The Germans call these like middle stand businesses. 
uh, that I've been writing about a lot, right? I, like for this middle class of startups, there needs to be a new funding structure because these companies might get to double digit, triple digit million dollars mm. in exits. Maybe they're not a billion dollar company, but they're very successful business. Uh, some of those can be excellent outcomes for the founders. Like my dad ran a, a business like this. Uh, like we built one together after he lost his first one. Right. And so you can make, you know, you can get to tens of millions of dollars of revenue um, almost bootstrapped. Right. right. Um, and maybe you need one funding round. Maybe you need like a million dollar of seed capital. And that's like all you need to get to, uh, you know, a $50 million exit, right. Or a $10 million exit. And that's like life changing for you as a Absolutely, founder. Yeah. And so I think more people should do that. So like what I call like a double or a triple, mm -hmm. like you don't want to ruin a double or a triple by like even like a hundred million dollar exit could be ruined by raising $300 million to get there. Mm -hmm. But a hundred million dollar exit where you raise 5 million or 10 or 20 to get there uh, could be a great exit for everyone. Um, it's possible that the best exit for you personally is like a $10 million exit or a $2 million exit where you have 90% or hundred percent of the business. Like mm -hmm. maybe personally, that's like the best thing in your life. I definitely think having met a lot of people in YC and a lot of founders who have exited at a lot of different values and like people who have exited for a million to 10, like often the people who are the happiest are people who like exit for like, like one or two or $3 million and mm -hmm. are like set for life are some of the happiest people. Like the people who exit for like 10, uh, often are very like stressed about like, <laughs> I got to start a new business. Like, uh, what are like people who like exit for a hundred or a billion are like even more stressed. Like, oh, I got to yeah. do a family office. Like I'm amazed by this thing of like, your problems do not get easier. Like people do not get more fulfilled with the money. More money, more there's problems. Like, it, right? <laughs> yeah. There's a freedom thing. Like a million dollars is a lot of freedom. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I think there's another, another way to think about that is if you're optimizing for quality of life, I think like the middle class business might be the best thing for you. And I just think in general, we're just like leaving a lot of great businesses on the table by people not taking those middle class shots. Right. And I love that. I think you should tweet about what you really said. Uh, yeah. I think that the parity, right? Like if you, if you really want to live a happy life, you don't need so much money you know, in reality. Right. Yeah. Uh, you just need to be content. I think that's more important than, the zeros in your bank. I think probably yeah. you should definitely tweet about it. And I love your concepts, triple, double, uh, I think middle class, you know, businesses. I, I love that. Uh, what about founders who are just getting started? Like they don't have big breaks. They're not first time founders or even second time founders who did something and they want to scale. Do, do you think VC funding helps you scale? or bootstrapping scales, what, what are your thoughts on that? I think that there's very specific businesses that need VC funding, right? It's, Labdoor has a specific business model where we, the way the platform works, like first we have to test the protein powders for months in advance, right? We're doing all this testing, we're doing all this analysis, we're put, creating a new category, writing reports on it. And then it, it gets released, you know, three months after we start doing the work and, you know, $100,000 spent on testing. Mm. Then we start collecting revenue on it. So then the great thing is then like every single day that website runs and people can search best protein powder. And, you know, every day when they click on those links, we're making money off of it. The, so we make, but then that's over many years. It's like maybe like that three months of work will then pay off over multiple years. 
Uh, and that's like, that's a classic business that VC is good for, right? It's like, we need to spend money now so that like over years, we're going to have consistent revenue stream. Uh, and there's no like future costs associated with that revenue stream. Right. That VC is perfect for that. But it's almost like for anything else, like if you don't have that kind of uh, cash flow issue, then you probably don't need VC. Like if, if it's all, if your cash flow is based on customers, where it's like every time I sell a 5000 or $10,000 customer, then I can like hire one more person because it's like another five or $10,000 a month in revenues. That's a completely different type of business and that probably doesn't need VC. Oh, very, I think that makes a lot of sense. Given Labrador, uh, what you said is you put in a lot of work now and you see the fruit or the outcome later, right? It's not like immediate. Yeah. How the hell did you convince investors or even like, you know, customers that, hey, this will work as a business model? Like, how did you took that challenge? I'm very, you know, curious about uh, this. It's, it's, it's not like a tradition or a, it's not like a sexy thing, <laughs> especially mm -hmm. the thing you're doing. It involves a lot of data reporting, uh, mm -hmm. back and forth testing. Sometimes it, you know, I don't know if it, if the tests are right or wrong, like so many iterations. Mm -hmm. How did you like make sure that it, it works as a company and the startup that can be scalable? What was your pitch or what, what kind of tactics did you use? I think we always, I always told a really big story about Labdoor's mission, right? And it's really true. It's like, there needs to be like Labdoor, even as a word, the the name comes from the idea of like the Labrador is like the watchdog. Mm -hmm. So like we're the watchdog for the world, right? And then the like open, like Labdoor is like open science, right? It's like, there's no transparency in science Like you can't actually, most people can't see the data. You just see the results mm. or you see that news story of like, oh, like half of products are bad for you and you just don't know which half, mm. right? And you just like, you can't make any decisions based on that, mm. right? And so Labdoor from the beginning was this idea of like open science watchdog. We're going to do what the FDA is not doing. Right. Um, it, so it had this really big mission and then it, it does make sense that it would need, you know, like millions of dollars to get that off the ground. And actually like I built a plan where like, what would we have done if we had a $25 million series B? What would we have done if we had hundred million dollars plus in funding? We had a plan to do much more aggressive marketing, test different types of products faster. Mm. Um, and so we actually like, we left a lot of strategies on the table because we weren't able to pay for it. Like we didn't have the money to do it. Mm. Uh, but it was, I think an experiment or an experience in like doing as like doing as many things that don't scale and then like hustling to like raise money to like sp spending it very quickly, trying to do as much work as we could. And so we were constantly around that process of uh, like trying to break stories and like tell the big story as much as possible. I love that. It's all, it's all, it's all for the hustle, right? Like you basically have to be very transparent, yeah. authentic and uh, do the hustle. And I also love the way you kind of had that conviction of future too. You narrated a story mm -hmm. that's more important than, you know, anything else for a startup founder. Uh, one, one thing I want to also talk about is when do you, when do you found you, when do you think founders should pick a signal that they should pivot? Like, what are the signals that you found? Uh, is it like Tim Ferriss tweet? Like, okay, okay Tim Ferriss itself is mm -hmm. like kind of signaling that we should change a little bit about going from research to like a marketplace, mm -hmm. like, or what, what was your advice for founders to pick signals 
about pivoting i do i think there's an it's things are either easy or hard and that's i do get that like a big part of startups is that like everything is hard at the beginning and you have to do things that don't scale and you have to like bootstrap it but there is like there is some magic in startups where things start feeling easy like customers start coming in easily organically they find you themselves and like when that's the signal that things are working it's just like uh, things are just like consistently getting easier and so i think that there is a sign of like if something is like consistently getting harder <laughs> like every new customer is harder to like you're hustling but it's like harder to get new customers that's a bad sign because it's like mm. startups should like everything about startups is leverage right it's like the whole point of building a platform or building a startup is that like the hundredth customer is easier to get than the first customer the first if the hundredth customer is harder to get than the first customer then you're like in either like a, a bad business or a service business or like something that's like you've like hit the saturation of the market the market's not big enough right there's like a bunch of reasons why it's wrong mm. but i think that simple uh, trying to feel that of like is this getting easier or harder to sell mm. uh over time that is i think a really key signal on whether you're pivoting or staying i love that yeah i feel it's also self awareness right like you have to really observe mm-hmm. what's going on in reality and not living in your own bubble uh i think that's also yeah. something that founders should uh, follow neil this has been awesome uh i learned a ton actually uh especially about yc and also like you know how a founder should shape the mindset of like building things at scale and as well as you know building things with intention to help others right uh thank you so much for joining us today and you know sharing your story sharing labdor story and congrats again on the on the acquisition that's happening right now uh any last few thoughts that you want to share before we wrap up yeah i just would love to invite people to read my book the world's biggest problems and so it's at worldsbiggestproblems.com i'm writing the whole book in public right now nice. and so i've got the entire table of contents done what i call the 20 biggest problems 100 biggest solutions i'm editing it in real time i'm adding new chapters uh, every month awesome. uh, and so i'm probably about 30 of the 120 chapters done so i'm about a fourth of the way through the book uh it's all free so just check it out awesome that's awesome yeah guys folks like you know do do check out neil's book and definitely give him a follow on twitter he shares a lot of wisdom for founders how should people think and uh how should startups be built with intention so uh do definitely share neil uh neil's content on on twitter and where else thank you neil appreciate you for taking time and i hope this episode you know brings you more insights about applying to yc how to get in there what sh- what what is something that you should do or tinker about your startup idea marketing everything messaging and all that so stay tuned for more episodes like this and uh that's it keep grinding guys cheers thanks